Welcome to the American Roadrunner Podcast. Yep, glad y'all could join us here today on this, the American Roadrunner Podcast. Here we share stories from the road on our two-wheeled motorcycle machines. All tales of spills, thrills, and chills, all the good, bad, and ugly stories from the open road. I am your host, Mr. Bob Marshall. And I am your co-host, Brian Phillipson. You can find us online at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com, on Facebook at American Roadrunner The Book. On Instagram, at American Roadrunner, that's all one word. Any comments, any questions, cheers, or jeers, you can email us at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook at gmail.com. This podcast can be found at AmericanRoadRunnerPodcast.com. And all the things that we do have been built around this awesome book, aptly named American Roadrunner by Mr. Bob Marshall. You can find it on Amazon, paperback, ebook, and coming soon in audiobook. Mm, we're getting excited. Today, it's all about the guests. One Mr. Chopper Charlie, fellow writer and writer. So Chopper Charlie is a contributor for Cycle Source magazine, I hear, and he's got an awesome Instagram. You can find him at Charlie Traveling Chopper. That's all one word, Charlie Traveling Chopper on Instagram. I was just looking at some of the pictures of his frigid it's a little scary. He's rigid in Wyoming, and uh, it's an awesome bike, and it looks like he has a lot of fun. He's been to a lot of places I wish I could be, and someday, hopefully, I will be. He's been to a lot of places we all wish we could be. Let's give him a call. So on the phone now, our special guest, one Mr. Charpa Charlie. Charlie, how the hell are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, we're having a good time Friday night here in Riverside, California. I hear uh, you're probably hanging out at home, aren't you? Yes, sir, I am. Yeah, where the hell is that these days? It is uh, Longmont, Colorado, which is right outside of Boulder. Nice, nice, that's right. Someone asked me the other day, and I was trying to remember exactly, but... Yeah, right here at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Can't beat it. Good for you. Good for you. So, in our little introduction of you, we were real busy talking up your, uh, your known chop that we seem to find all the pictures of everywhere we go. Yep. I was hoping you could tell us a bit more about that fine machine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but it's a, it's a 2003 Heritage Softail originally. Right. And I've, and I've had it for about 10 years. And, um, well, I don't really know what you want to know. Um, you know, over the years, you know, things break, you know, and fall off, and you get kind of sick of looking at it. I'm kind of one of those people that kind of has to, has to touch and play with everything. And change it, <laughs> right. you know. So, yeah, you, you and me both, kinda, brother. Yeah, kind of have a hard time leaving stuff alone. Yeah. So, you know, I think the I think the first sort of like major transition on that was turning from a soft tail to a hard tail, and you know that was basically just inspired from the from the back end of that bike just being so worn out. The suspension was hammered, all the bushes were hammered. And, yeah. You know the soft tails, you know. I mean, man, they always kind of rode like crap anyway. Yeah. So, so it kind of came to this having to make a decision. It's like, well, do I rebuild it, put on new suspension, and rebuild it and try to take it back to the kind of the piece of crap ride that it started out, or do I just say screw it and chop the back end off and hardtail it? You right. know. And, well, there's actually a couple of motivators behind that too, and it, it kind of involves the front end as yeah. well, yeah. and the reason why it's rigid. 
just because, man, I'm just horrible at maintenance. Ah. I just, I'm terrible, I'm terrible at maintaining my motorcycle. You know, I'm decent at oil changes. Right. Everything else just gets ignored until I absolutely can't ignore it anymore. So it was And easy. that's what I figured. I was like, well, screw it, man. Hardtail it, rigid front end. I have no suspension to ever worry about again. That's right. One, it was just easier <laughs> for you to throw the front end out and rock it. And I think uh, you, you've gone to the dark side on that scoot as well. You're still running. Yeah, the, yeah. Right. You're running the, the car rear tire. Yeah, I'm running that 15 inch rear wheel there with a the car tire. And. You know, that, that, was, that was kind of a couple different things, actually. Yeah. I mean, for one, I, I like how it looks, you know. And that bike already has that Swedish long bike style to it, right. as it is. Right. And putting that car tire on just kind of really sealed the deal on that. Because, you know, the Swedish guys are, those guys are big into that car tire on the back. Well, and it but makes a lot be, of sense. I know when uh, last time we were heading up to Sturgis, you and I ran into <laughs> each other on the side of the road with a few of... Uh, well, I had Jer and Mike with me, and right. you had a few with you, but it was, I think we were on the 85, weren't we? Yep, yeah, yep, exactly it. Well, and that was great, because I know we all kind of took turns. <laughs> you didn't know this at the time, but we were behind you, and Jer's, Jer's pointing at his eyes going, you know, watch his back tire. So we'd all take turns just nestling up right behind you to watch your back <laughs> tire move, man. Like, oh, that'd be, it was great. It was great watching him Uh-oh. move. Well, yeah, because you don't really have to put any air in it. That's the other brilliant part, right? So, right. You, know, so you never have to check your air pressure again. <laughs> right, right. One so less thing to like, worry about. It looked yeah, really good. It looked. Re- it was bending like hell, but it looked really good. At no point did it. Yeah, I was around a lot. I always have people telling me I have a flat tire. I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> How many miles do you get out of a back tire? Oh man, close to thirty thousand. That's so. That's so crazy. Right, uh, and it, and you know they're like a hundred dollars a tire too. Right, right, right. Compared to the super rubber jobbers, but now the front tire you're still running. You got the spoked uh, front rim. Yep, still running the the twenty uh, one inch spoke front wheel, <clears throat> and up there I run uh, actually an adventure bike tire, a pretty aggressive knobby tire actually. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um, you know it's kind of interesting. I kind of went that kind of transitioned in, into that slowly over the course of about three or four tires I, you know because i started out with just a you know classic that floor 880 on there sure and i was getting a lot of hop out of the front of that thing which you know you kind of expect out of that front end yeah it does mm. but it was, it was like it's a really annoying thing where it would just sit out there and just vibrate you know and it just kind of drive me insane right right so so then you know, I ran that 880 for a while, and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll try a little bit heavier tire, something a little more meat to it. Yeah. So I stuck with the Metzler, but I went to the Tourant, which is sort of like an adventure bike tire. Sure. And then it got better. I was like, interesting. Wasn't there something to that? So when I wore that one out, then I went to an even knobbier tire, and it just smoothed right out. It was perfectly smooth. All that hop went away. Now, is it like a 100% dirt tire? It looks more like an 80-20, but it might have just been worn out last time I saw it. Yeah, it's, an, it's more of like an 80-20. Right. But, man, it, yeah, it's pretty aggressive, though. It's uh, it's not actually even a Metzler on there anymore. I forget what I even have on there. Yeah, but it's it's 80% dirt, 20% street. So our good friend, uh, Mr. Skip, I'll tell you, I've hung out next to his Rigid a few times, and he even let me do 100 miles on his Harley Rigid once. 
And his, nice. his, yeah, that was, boy, that was a dream come true. He just really wanted to, he wanted to, uh, he, he's like, I really, I got to get a KZ like yours, man, and I'd love to ride one. <laughs> and we were all sitting at, at breakfast, and there had to be like 30 or 40 of us hanging out in Cornville. And I threw my keys across the table to him, and he threw his keys at me, and everybody just jumped up, pissed off, you know. What do you mean? You what? You get to ride Skip's motorcycle? How come I don't get to ride Skip's? Mo- <laughs> oh my God, the shit just hit the fan like the Fourth of July. Oh yeah, man, yeah. Oh, uh, it was great. So him and I just went out and did a hundred miles around, you know, Cottonwood, Jerome. Uh, yeah, and that guy's a blast to ride with too, man. Oh no, yeah, he doesn't mess around. He's he's no, yeah. Me, me and him hammer hammer down from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, yeah. back to my place here in Longmont, which is basically exactly a thousand miles. We we hammered it down in like fifteen hours. Yeah, it was awesome. There you just go, side by side, just looking at each other like, oh, let's go. I guess. Which can be hard to do, man. Minnesota's got so many small towns. You just found an interstate, headed south, and then hopped over. Oh, yeah, we just blasted interstate the whole way. I mean, it's about the most, you know, boring route you could possibly pick, but, man, it was quick. Exactly. That's sweet. Yeah, because, you know, he's got, he's got a long, rigid front end on his, too. Mm. And it's such a pleasure to ride. Uh, it, you know, it was great. And it got squirrely on me once going down the dirt road to his house there in uh, Cornville. Mm. But other than that, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I'm a big fan, and I think... I'll tell you the argument at the at that appropriate time was my little dude. That was a year ago, so he's eleven, and he's looking through the magazines and he goes, "One day, Dad, I gotta like you know build a righteous chop and go out racing with you guys." And I'm like, "Okay, buddy, well look through the magazines and see what you want to build." And he finds Skip's bike and points at it and goes, "I want that." And I went, "That's rigid <laughs> nice. front and back. No way, dude. That ain't gonna happen." And then uh, you know, and then I rode I rode skips a few months later, and I'm like, okay, dude, we'll build you an all rigid, whatever you want, man. They're just fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. And it's like you know, if you build them right, it's gonna handle right just fine. It's, and it's actually gonna be pretty smooth too, you know, because you get oh yeah, and you get so much movement out of that front end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it acts. I mean, hell, it just, I, I would dare to say it probably runs better than a Springer. Yeah, it just gets, no, I agree. I, I do agree. It just gets a little wonky if you try to do a U-turn. you got to give yourself 23 feet like an excursion would or something. Yeah, you just don't do U-turns. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it boils down to. Right, but it's okay to turn it around. I've, I've turned them around. Uh, you know, you, I'm sure you've, you just kick it up on the kickstand and swing it around in a parking lot or something. Well, the key is to not get lost, really, because how often oh, do you really have to do a U-turn? You really don't do you do a U-turn when you go up the wrong road and get lost. Well, you're so, you're, so, so the answer to that is is to yeah. not get lost. <laughs> Just never get lost. <laughs> I love it. Well, you're the man who's traveled out of country on your rigid. Uh, you yep. took it over to uh, to Germany, right? Uh, yeah, more than that. We've done 17 countries over in Europe, actually. Jeez, Louise, man. Yeah, yeah, a fair amount. We've done Mexico, so yeah, 18 18 border crossings on that bike. Oh my gosh, that's great! That's great, and you never got lost and never had to turn around. Oh no, I get lost all the time. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, no, I mean just because I still don't get lost doesn't mean it doesn't. It doesn't mean that I don't actually get lost. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, oh. you know, luckily my wife is really good at directions, so I've just kind of learned over the last few years just to just to follow her. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> No, Kayla's a good one, man. How's uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys just traveled to India, right? You were over there on some motorcycles. 
Yeah, we did. We were over there for a few weeks uh, doing that Himalayan Heroes. That's nuts. Uh, tour. Man, those guys are awesome, first off. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, riding Royal Enfield in the Himalayas. I mean, man, it doesn't really get a whole lot better than that. Right. Well, I know the pictures you sent back were pretty ratchet. That was on your other IG account. Uh, Roads are for Journeys, that's what it is? Well, on Kayla's account, yeah, Roads are for Journeys, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff, Yeah, she's man. been good about posting pictures of India recently, and mm-hmm. for good reason, you know. There's just endless, incredible photo opportunities around every corner. And, and it, you know, just, it's always a classic thing, and I always hate saying it, but it's so true. It's like, man, you can't really wrap your head around the grandeur of the right. Himalayas in a photograph. Right. Like, you know, it's like, you get there, and... You know, and I, you know, I'm, I basically live in the Rocky Mountain, you know, so I'm not mm-hmm. no stranger to, you know, massive mountain ranges, but right. man, uh, the Rockies is kind of pale in comparison. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, the, the Himalayas are just they're staggering. Incredible. Well, and uh, you know, where I live here, even in the Inland Empire, uh, mm-hmm. there's mountain ranges all around. I mean, I just have to go for an hour to find snow up in Big Bear or out of while, sure. Lake, you know, anywhere. Now, I'll totally be the first to admit it's not the same grandeur as being in Denver, but, you know, it, it ain't. No, bad. the mountains are mountains, man. They're all fun, you know, and just they're fun to ride your motorcycle in. They're nice to sit back and to stare at. Right. Right. I mountains totally, are great. Yeah, I totally agree. It does make you feel uh, nice and cozy. That is always funny. I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, you're somewhere in West Texas, and you look up, and you go, I can't see a mountain. I can't. All I see is, like, big Texas <laughs> sky. I don't know if I should be afraid. I don't know. <laughs> you know? You know, man, I kind of revel in it. I, 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 as much as I do love the mountains, I, I really enjoy the big open spaces. And yeah. I, and I think one of the things that I've learned over all these years of traveling around the world is that you, you really just kind of have to learn to appreciate wherever you are, you know, because I feel like a lot of these places kind of get a bad rap, you know, like thank you, Kansas, for example. Yeah. Everybody's always like, oh, Kansas is horrible. It's like, well, depends how you look at it, you know. It's like if you kind of l- learn to be able to step back and appreciate those wide open spaces and, yep. and just find those little pockets that are interesting, it's like, man, everywhere's got something to offer. It really does. Well, you're absolutely right. Look at it. No, no, you're absolutely right, and that's a wonderful thing about being on a motorcycle. Mm. You're not just staring out a car window like watching a TV about it. Uh, I know I I proliferate a little bit on it in my book, and of course I stole that from uh, Robert Persig with Zen of the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. He goes into great detail about that. It's pretty exciting stuff. It's okay to see it on two wheels. And I'll just add my two cents, if I may. Kansas sure. City, Kansas, you know, Kansas can get a little boring if, if you're really looking for that excitement. But nothing's as boring as East Colorado. Oh, my God, that is the <laughs> longest, straightest road in the world. I don't know what they yeah, were thinking. I, I know. It's so funny, especially for people. I always feel bad for those people, you know, that are, like, coming westbound across I-70. And, right. and they've never been to, And they've never been to Colorado, right? So, right. So, so they think that once they hit that welcome to Colorado sign, that it's just going to be like these massive mountains. Right. And it's going to be incredible. Right. It's and then, just... you know, fucking three hours later, right. they're like, where are the mountains? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
they're just hating life. Well, I'll tell you a yeah. quick story. I know, I know the last time I ran the stampede, we get the route 12 hours before we take off. And I'm sitting there looking at the route, and my pops looks over my shoulder, and he goes, see this part here in eastern Colorado? You might hit that in the middle of the night or the night. It's really long and straight. I go, well, Pops, we've been It out. really is. He just, <laughs> he just said they had to give that land to Colorado. It's just the longest, straightest. And I'll tell you what, um, uh, I, I know I've been complimented enough to have you read my book. If you've gotten to the part where I'm hauling ass through East Colorado, that's where I, I ran into that damn deer. <laughs> it scared the crap out of yep. me. Uh, yep. That was the only thing that kept me awake uh, through that night. In yeah, there. there's honest God not a single turn between Denver and Kansas City. It's amazing. It's true. Not amazing. one. Um, it is just a straight line. Yeah, glorious. You can't find it anywhere else in the world. That's for now. Sure. Now the key, the key one crossing Kansas is to go about 80 miles north of I-70 up to Highway 36. Okay. Oh, yeah. And crossing on thir- and crossing on 36. That's oh. the best way to go. Okay, good little info. I haven't hit that one yet myself. So, yep, yep, that's good stuff. Well, you know, let's get back to the topic of Miss Kayla. What's it like yeah. having a significant other who uh, is almost as badass as you are in the two wheeled community? Oh man, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great just having somebody where I can throw these hair brand ideas out to her. She doesn't flinch. Right. She just says, "Yeah, let's do it." Nah, you know? Yeah, it's good like stuff. Like India, hey, do you want to go to India and ride motorcycles in the Himalayas? And she just looks at me like, why wouldn't I want to? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> you know, it. we've been talking about going to South America. And, you know, look at her, hey, do you want to ride down to the southernmost tip of South America and back? Take a year off? She's like, yeah, when do we leave? Right? That would be like, great. Okay. It, yeah, I've seen a few people do that. And it looks like the route, I mean, once you pass that little... Uh, <clears throat> Oh, what's that gap? The Darien Gap. And once you get down yep. there, it seems like if you do a little S-shape through South America, that's the way to go. I've only researched it. I've never had the balls to even consider killing it. But Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways. You, know, you can do it a lot of different ways, you know. I mean, I, I think the, the optimum way to do it would be to take a year. Yeah, and then you can really kind of zigzag your way around, or just, instead of just taking a direct route, right? Because if you take a direct route, you can be on the Pan American Highway pretty much the whole way. And mm-hmm. from from everything I understand, that's that's not the nicest way to go because it's basically just a you know big super slab the whole way, right? And you know well, what we would like to do is have the time to get off in the national parks and kind of zigzag our way back and forth all the way down. Really in which explore. case, you know, you're going you're gonna to start to get into a lot of dirt roads, yeah. uh, a lot of small little villages, and that's, you know, that's the way to do it. Well, I totally agree with you. It's just time, but it's good living, that's for sure. And it's great yep. you get to write about it. Yeah, yeah, that is a, that is pretty awesome. I, I really enjoy that, you know, being able to take these scripts and then put them on paper and share them. The uh, Cycle Source magazine article known as Chopper Charlie. What, Correct. Uh, yep. Yeah. What What have you gotten to write about lately that we've missed? Oh man, I mean, you know this is it's funny. I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine the other day. He asked me. I, he actually asked me what I was doing. I was like, Well, I'm sitting down. I'm trying to get an article written for the magazine. Right. And of course, you know, it's the middle of winter, and it's snowing. And it's cold. And, <laughs> 
and I'm like, man, like, what am I supposed to write about? Like, I haven't done anything recently. Yeah. And of course, you know, you know, I write them every month. Right. So, you know, if I if I go three or four weeks without doing anything or going anywhere, then all of a sudden I'm like, man, I don't really have anything to write about. Hmm. So, yeah, it gets interesting this time of year. You got to get a little more creative. That's for sure. You know, but I always, you know, most of my articles are, you know, they're pretty much all travel related. Cool. Um, and I always kind of try to write them in a way that I, that I hope inspires other people to get out and and travel as well, and sort of knock down this fear that I think a lot of people have of getting out on a bike, especially by themselves. You know, they think they got to do it in a group or with a couple of buddies just for kind of a security blanket. And, and the the problem with that, I think, is that then you're trying to coordinate schedules with other people. Right. And then, you know, you get a couple guys, the last second bail, because they always do. Right. And then and then you cancel the trip because your buddies can't go. Right. Thank you. You know, and it's, it's like, well, no, you can still go on your own. It's like, it's not like something horrible is going to happen to you. Right. I mean, what's, the, what's the worst case scenario? Your bike breaks down and it sticks on the side of the road or call a tow truck or do whatever you got to do. I mean, you'd be in that same boat whether your friends were there or not. No, you're absolutely right. I think there is unnecessary uh, fears that a lot of people have uh, when it comes to regards and traveling on two wheels uh, or traveling in general. But yet you look at at the highways and America's highways are jam packed and it's a lot of people just trying to get from A to B and survive. But, right, you know, there's so much excitement in between. And when you don't have that cage wrapped around you and you can actually be part of the scene instead of just seeing the scene. No, I, I totally right. agree with you. And that's a, that's a huge movement uh, on our part. How do we get people to ride and how do we get people to travel? Uh, our right, last, right. our last guest we had on, on our last podcast, uh, one miss Annette dearth was talking about doing that, uh, from a female point of view. And it was just, it was wonderful. The information was just wonderful how mm-hmm. a woman travels across country, you know, on her big Harley all by herself, uh, how she, you know, gets rooms or uh, whatever it may be. But, um, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Think. And I think, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, being out there alone is just, you know, especially when you get out by yourself for a week or two, right. You know, I think, it always, you know, I think I always think it always feel like it takes a couple of days to kind of get into the rhythm, but you know, at least it, it does for me anyway. No, no, me too. I and, feel you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you get out there for a week or two by yourself, and, and that is just—I I just feel like that's an experience everybody should have. Whether even if it's in a car, you know. Sure. Obviously, I always advocate for motorcycles, but uh-huh. yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I mean, I always think, you know, I mean, kids out of high school, it's like, man, put them out on the road by themselves for a few weeks. Yep. Let them just go wander around, and you know, you, you learn so much about yourself. It's incredible. Oh, you really do. No, I, I totally agree. And you learn a lot more about yourself. And I'm, I'm really complimented that uh, you're enjoying my book from the conversation we had a few days ago. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's what it's man. about, you know, sharing my, sh- me sharing my story. And then how do I get other people to share their stories with me? You know, that's what the website's right. about. So. Yeah. Well, the first step is to convince people to go do things that are worthy of a story. Correct. And that's, and you know, that's what a lot of my articles are about. It's like, go out there and create your own stories. I love go it. figure out who you are. Right. And go, 
mean, go make those rocking chair stories, as I as I always call them. That's like, you know, you don't want to be 85 years old sitting in your rocking chair on your front porch. You, you have nothing to talk about. You have no stories. Right. That's not going to work. No. That's not going to work. No, no. And boy, I hope to be 85 years old someday. And I hope to own a rocking chair, I'm just going to say. <laughs> well, I see both of those in your future, my friend. Oh, I appreciate that, my good man. <laughs> I will and tell. And you're going to have plenty of stories, too. Yeah, well, that's it. And that's, <laughs> I really enjoy sharing them. And the wonderful thing about writing is that I get to keep sharing them. It really is selfish time for myself, as I'm sure it is for you. You get to sit down, collect your thoughts, make it all happen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you know, you, yeah, you kind of used that word selfish a few days ago when we were talking. And, I, you know, I, at first I was like, yeah, it really totally is a selfish thing. I guess I hadn't really kind of looked at it. From, from that point of view, but you know what? Here's another way to look at it, too, and I've I've had some people kind of point this out to me, and I I don't know. At first, I was kind of thought, I don't know, that kind of sounds like BS. I'm not really buy into that, but sure. the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, okay, I can, I can kind of pick up what you're putting down there. Well, and, and, uh, yeah, well, you know we, what? we all do our own thing, and we all find our own ways to find ourselves. And we all find right. our own ways to spend selfish time. Some people, it's watching TV or taking long baths or uh, you know, yeah, whatever it yeah. may be. Uh, for, right. For me, it happens to be writing and writing. <laughs> right. And, and, and by you writing your story, although it may feel selfish, people appreciate it because, and, and I felt this you know, within two chapters of your book, it got me just immediately motivated and excited uh, about something that I'd kind of put on the back, back burner a little bit. It brought those thoughts back. And I think that's, in my mind, what makes it not selfish because you're, you're sort of providing the ammunition that people need to go out and chase their dreams. Uh, that, I take that as a great compliment from you, my friend. I know in our inner circle of friends, uh, and I've kind of said this to everybody, there's just a few people who intimidate me in this world. You happen to be one of them. Uh, with your <laughs> badassery and your righteousness and hell your suit is even intimidating that you wear in my opinion so I, I take it as a great compliment everything you're laying down for me thank you sir awesome i appreciate that and i gotta tell you i know we were talking about something the other night i think you're talking about this coast to coast, coast record to coast. attempt yes sir yeah, I'm hesitant to even bring it up because it makes me nervous just thinking about it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. If you're not scared a little, you ain't going to survive. So. Oh, it, it terrifies me. I've, Good. Yeah, I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah, it scares me, you know, for a lot of different reasons, actually. Yeah. Uh, not so much failing at it, but just all the stuff that could happen along the way, you know. Well, the answer is well, L.A. to New York. And what's the time to beat? 38 hours and 49 minutes. Yeah, 30, yeah. I think that's totally doable on your totally rigid Yeah, chair. Yeah, well, that's the key to doing on that because if, I feel like if I do it on anything else, it just wouldn't be the same. Amen. You know? Because if I was going to do it on anything else, I might, as well, I might as well just go buy a brand new Goldwing. Hey, listen, don't be talking bad about my Goldwings. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, hey, <laughs> I, I like Goldwings. I like Goldwings, actually. I know. They're so sweet, boy. I hope you get a chance to enjoy one someday. But man, no, all you gotta do is ask Kayla. Goldwings have come up in more than one conversation around the house. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, and you can tell stuff behind them. 
you know, I've been busy towing stuff behind mine, so I'm I'm a huge fan. Of course, mine's an older '94. Yeah, the older ones are great. I always kind of one with like a ridiculous airbrush paint job on them. It's like a bunch of horses galloping or something. Nice cactus. Nice, that'd be yeah. killer. Uh, that, yeah, something ridiculous. And have you seen that Jer uh, Jer Jackson? And I have matching gold wings totally by accident. Oh, that's awesome. Oh yeah, no, and they're like a year apart, and they've been together like a few times. Twins. Oh, yeah. No, people just die laughing. My favorite, uh, I don't know if I told the story. I think I did, but we showed up in Hollywood uh, to a chopper party, and a bunch of us stampeders all cruised up on gold wings. You know, a bunch of us have picked up <laughs> gold wings in the last few years. A, bu- a bunch of badasses on a bunch of geezer clients. Oh, people were pissed, you know. <laughs> there was a guy there from a magazine, like, trying to take pictures. He's like, you guys suck. I want a bunch of pictures of choppers. I got all these gold wings in the way. Oh, it was, fa- it was fabulous. Oh, my God. I They're like, it. yeah, well, I can't feel my spine anymore. I had to give it a break. Yeah, pretty much. And it was, and I just knew they were coming from uh, Durango, and uh, they were coming from Colorado, anyways. And uh, they, uh, so they rode their uh, gold wings out. I was just hopping over from Riverside. I'm like, well, if you guys are taking your gold wings, I'll take my gold wing. Oh, we just pissed everyone off. <laughs> it was, it was classic. I should have trailered a bike there just to really, just to really make a man. <laughs> yeah, I should have shown up with a gold wing in the back of your truck. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, my favorite is to take uh, my little Honda Rebel, and I've got a little custom trailer that I built for my gold wing, so I can put the Rebel behind my gold wing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trailering bikes behind behind a bike. Oh yeah. That's about, that's about as awesome as it gets. Well, it does get scary because everybody's busy looking and trying to take pictures of you, and you, you really look like a freak show. So it gets a little scary. Everybody's coming into your lane because they're looking in the rearview mirrors like, what the hell is this freak show going by? But Yeah, but the cool thing is, so you, you got to look at it as like providing entertainment for the people in their cars. Nice, it's like, nice. It's like you just gave them a free show, man. Let the freak flag fly. Right? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Now, when it comes to uh, riding on different roads, uh, you've conquered most of the states here in the lower 48 right yep all of them yep yeah so what do you think your opinion is and i boy i've only conquered most of them but what's your opinion on the uh, different roads between the u.s and roads in other countries Mm, that's a good question good bad and different are they all the same well you know the first thought that popped in my head was that the roads in the u.s are wider yeah than most of the rest of the world they get real narrow Right. And a lot of other countries. Right. Which, you know, to me, adds a little character to them. Most of the time, it's not a problem. We, you know, we had, I wouldn't say issues really, but definitely some, kind of definitely some puckering moments, you know, like going through like Austria and a couple of places in France I can picture pretty well in the head. Sure. Where the roads were so narrow and the hairpin turns were so tight and steep that it was probably one of the few times I've ever thought, man, I wonder if this bike wasn't the right choice for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's chopper in for you. Because, you know, you had to go to like the far left side of the road, cut the corner, and then you'd end up on the other side of the road right. just to get around. You know, you had to use the entire road <laughs> because the road is only the width of a lane out here. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, the whole time we're thinking, it's like, man, I hope nobody comes around this corner because I'm in the middle of the road right now. Well, and I don't know if, has anyone ever told you, let me find a polite way to put it. Your scoot is very long, but 
when people are riding next to you or I'm riding behind you, your knees sit really effing wide on that thing. Did you know Yeah, that? they do. Yeah, you're like four yeah. and a half feet wide. Like, you might as well be a Goldwing. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Well, then maybe I'll just drop a Goldwing motor into it. Yeah, that, all that, good. That'd be cool. That'd be way cool. Yeah, Although, that thing is kind of wide. I never, I never could have figured out why. Well, and it, it's just the way you sit, too. I mean, your legs are just way out there, which is, you know, you're a very well-built, normal-built human being. Uh, so it's it's funny to see your legs so far out there. <laughs> Uh, it's great, you know. It it, it 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 works very well for you, obviously. How? Yeah, I mean, it's comfortable. Yeah, I heard uh, you just passed a good milestone on that motor of yours in that thing. Yeah, just rolled over two hundred thousand. Yeah, that's nuts for a Harley. Yeah, still going well. In all fairness, it's been rebuilt three times. Yeah, yeah, it's going pretty well. But man, man it, I don't know. It just keeps going. I, I I really see no sense in replacing it. I mean. It's like I could buy a brand new crate motor and drop a new motor in it, but I'm just going to wear that out in two years and have to rebuild that anyway. Well, so you're well right. Just keep, just keep fixing this one. Well, you're right. And I know on my KZ1000 Cop Chop uh, that I ran the Stampede in and whatnot, I just had to replace the motor on that one because <clears throat> I had bored it out and rebuilt it so many times. And I promise, I don't think I got but maybe 160, 180,000 miles on that engine. Yeah, so, yeah. Before uh, I finally kind of blew up on you, it just—it's just pushing so much, and I just can't rebuild it anymore. I mean, I reckon I could get another set of jugs and set of pistons and rings and it, but you know, you just—where do you stop at that? You know. Yeah, at some point you just scrap it. Yeah, I got a nice uh, fifty thousand mile engine uh, d from a donor bike, and so I'm—it I'm, looks really good. So I'm busy throwing that in there right now. If it stopped raining for half a minute, because I got I got engines and bikes all over the backyard, <laughs> making sense of it. But we're we're having a good time, that's for sure with it. But boy, yeah, it will be yeah. nice. I haven't ridden that bike in a few months now because it it was pushing so much smoke out of cylinder three. I could feel the backyard was smoking like thirty seconds. Yeah, that's not good. It, well, especially out there in California, you probably oh, had everybody freaking out. Oh, everybody was freaking out. Yeah, it just it got to be way too much. Um, you know, and the engine didn't care. It was still strong as not. Like, it was still hauling butt, but, boy, the smoke screen was really scaring people. Yeah, yeah, you can push these motors a lot further than people think. Well, especially if you give them the right care and you give them the right rebuilding and do a little bit of homework. Yeah, yeah you've been you've been doing well. You know what you, uh, what you run your carbs at, what your carb setting's at? You usually change your jets in the middle of nowhere, but or how you doing? No, I haven't, no, I haven't touched that carburetor in years. You're just sticking with the stock setting? Yeah, it's got the CV, you know, stock CV carb on there that came with the bike. That's killer. I've never touched it. That's killer. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am ripping well, that apart all the time. You haven't even well, touched it. Well, there's no reason to, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah so whatever. It runs, lower, it runs a little rich at 14,000 feet and it runs a little lean down by the ocean, but whatever. Yeah. You're, hey, if, if you can get it to run up at the Mile High City there where you are, you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honest to God, man, I could run it up to the, you know, Trail Ridge Road in Rockman National Park at, but basically fourteen thousand feet. I could run it from there all the way down to the coast, and yeah, I don't, I don't ever touch that thing. That's killer. Good it for runs you. like a champ. Well, and you know, it's good, uh, good medicine for everyone else out there who has them, who's running well, them. Well, you know what? And I've got a theory about this stuff, and it, it, it's always kind of worked for me, so I'm just going to stick with it. Good. <clears throat> I always feel like you know, like. 
you know, the more you touch things, yeah. the more you try to improve it or make it bigger and better, the more likely it is to fail. Amen, brother. So I'm like, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Honest to God, like I, I don't need a 110 inch motor. That's right. My 95 works fine, and that's I'm right. not going to touch it until it blows up, yeah. and then I'll touch it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like my carburetor, like I'm not going to start pulling jets out on the side of the road. Yeah. Because because then my the likelihood of something failing during that process just skyrockets. Well, it does, and I'm excited when you get to the chapter in my book where I talk about that. So that, <laughs> that'll, that's near yeah. the end. That's near the end of the book. Enjoy that part. Yeah, it's like your bike runs fine. Just stop touching it, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, well said. It's good medicine. So, 38 hours, 49 minutes, L.A. to New York. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, that's 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 hustling, man. I don't know. I yeah, uh, yeah. I'm ready. I'm re- I'm I'm ready to try anyway. Yeah, well, it'd I think, be uh, you know, I think with the right planning and the right diet and, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. I don't think that's something you just get on and go. I think you need to put some legit preparation into that to pull that off. Well, I agree, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people said that about the Stampede. Uh, I know my first year running the Stampede, I put a ton of, ton of effort and energy, and I still learn stuff, so... It uh, you definitely it takes a little while to get it all lubed up and going, but boy, that yeah, you know, it's everything. I mean, even thought about it's like, man, maybe I should be like hitting the gym, going for runs, like changing my diet, just all that stuff. Well, you know, that's funny. And Jer and I were talking about that a few podcasts ago, and Jer was saying, you know, I'm doing 80 push-ups and 80 sit-ups, and how about you, Bob? And the answer is, I I wasn't doing much than my usual. I do ten thousand steps a day, and everybody kind of knows I'm a little porkly around the middle, but I still, <laughs> you know, I still make it work. Uh, there's still, yeah, you know, I'm still as good once as I ever was, I reckon. So, yeah, you know, and everyone's different too. You know, some, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some guy out there that could probably jump on his bike, knock it out. But man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've definitely had some long, long, long days, but yeah, nothing, nothing quite like that. Well, I think uh, too, if you can uh, get a good workout going, uh, sex is a good workout. That's been my experience uh, for <laughs> motorcycle riding, and uh, you know, just get used to the diet and accept when you don't have coffee, when you don't have water, when you don't have food, when you don't have you know all these things that we as Americans think are crucial to survival. If you got to go 38 plus hours without your usual affair, uh, you're going to survive. I've survived. Uh, you, you know, you, you'll be able to survive. Of course, I've never gone cross country that fast, but my uh, yeah, yeah, my best time in the last stampede was just under two and a half days. But that, yep. was, that was still kind of hauling butt for me. But well, oh but, yeah, I mean that, that is that is still moving. Mm. Yeah, I came in ninth. You know, I just, I was hoping to get in the top 10, so nine will work. I'll take it. Yeah, nine. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's yeah, a, yeah. So, yeah. So imagine then doing that same route in half the time. Yeah. See, I'm not, I don't even pretend to know. Although I like the idea of us setting up, you know, stampeders along the way to push Ooh. in, pull you. I'd love to do the first thousand miles with you and then like hand you off to Jay or somebody and, then he can well i think it would almost else. be necessary you know and right. you know and these these coast to coast guys get pretty serious off tracking as well so we'd have right. to start thinking about a third party gps tracker 
<clears throat> you know, video footage, right? Insurance. Photo footage, you know, to make sure it's legit. Yeah, and I you know, know doing the Guinness, especially book. on that bike. I feel like I feel like it, doing it on that bike, unless I had some really serious documentation. I think most people would say it's bullshit. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> people tell me I'm full of shit all the time for that exact same reason. They just don't even believe you. Yeah, they so. say no way that's possible. You do not do that. Oh yeah, even even lately with my book, people have told me, you know, well that doesn't happen or this isn't real or uh, you'll you'll hear it all. Because you got to keep in mind that most guys on a bagger think a 400 mile day is a long day. Yeah, yeah. Where most of us chopper guys don't really consider long day to be anything much under 600. We are kind of a rare breed these days. I wish. Uh, yeah, we're because yeah, we're not that smart. No. And that's probably why there's fewer and fewer of us. We're not very good looking either. Yeah. No, hell, hell no. I think that, <laughs> that probably adds to it. <laughs> oh, that's great. We're no. dumb, we're ugly, but man, but man, we've got some cool bikes. Yeah, and we like to haul ass. <laughs> I never mind killing a thousand mile day, you know, especially on the, well, and that's the beauty of it. Everyone thinks I'm really under the impression that I've heard from people that everyone thinks choppers, uh, being what they are terribly uncomfortable and you know, you get sucker punches every so often, but for the most part, you've built them for yourself and they're built around. Yeah. You. That's the key. You've got to build it around you. Exactly. Because you know? when you have a bike that just, that doesn't move. It, you know, and it doesn't have a wind fairing. <clears throat> you got those wind pressures against you, and you have right. zero suspension. It's like, man, that thing's really kind of got to be dialed in t- to you personally. And that that's the exciting thing about choppers, is that they really have to be that personal uh, to really lay down the miles and make it happen. So I right. I just have, I've had so much fun building mm-hmm. choppers around myself. Uh, I've got shorter legs and a longer torso, so my seat's like four inches back, where some guys might run it six inches back. Uh, I like the weight distribution to be like A, B, and C, which may cause me issues in a turn, but I can work through it. Anyways, whatever it may be. Well, that's what I like about your bike, too, actually. And I, and that's, and those are the things I look at that I, I really appreciate. Yeah. Is, is kind of throwing all the classic chopper things sort of out the window and figuring out what works for you. You know, like a prime example of seats, right? Right. right. Yeah, sure. A little, a little low hung steel Springer seat pan is cool looking, but dude, it's horribly uncomfortable. Horribly uncomfortable. It's like, it's like well, why don't you just build a cool bike and then put a comfortable seat on it? Right. And make it rideable. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's the f- stuff I, I appreciate. You know, a bike like yours, where you thought about every last little detail like that, is if you, you've taken a chopper and made it rideable. Well, and that it's funny you mentioned the seat because my seat, even though it's a stock seat, I actually bent it flat. So my seat feels more like you're sitting on a park bench, and oh, well, you know, never like mind. That, I take it all back. Well, and that and that's a, <laughs> that's just what works for me. I do have to. Well, I'll get personal as 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 we get to do, but I uh, mm. had to cut out a cutout in the back for my tailbone because my tailbone's so long. I actually have a cutout in the back, but other than that. <laughs> It, it, it's as flat as a park bench, and I've had other people ride it, and they're like, this seat sucks. <laughs> Feels like a park bench. I go, I know, but that's what worked for my ass, so I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, if it works for you, yeah, that's, all you gotta do. that's it. Everything's going to be different. Because I'll tell you, my Goldwing seat is not nearly as comfortable as my chopper seat. Don't ask me how that works. That's just how it works out. Oh, I believe it. My seat on my BMW is horrible. I hate it. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great, man. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And I've learned, uh, you know, I just use a saddle rag where I take, uh, I've got an old uh, Indian blanket that I've sat on for a few hundred thousand miles. And I just, every time I stop for fuel, I fold it a little differently. So it feels like I'm sitting on a little different seat. Something new. Time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I've got that, the, the uh, LaPera, one of those little solo seats of some sort. And sure. Man, it works great. It's got like a little lumbar support in the back, kind of pops up in the back. Nice, nice. It keeps it from sliding off the back. Right. You know, it's pretty firm, too. But, you know, a firm seat is a lot better for distance than a soft one anyway. Oh, it really is. Yeah, no, it it really is. And I have tried. I've got one of those. Well, at first I got one of those jail seats, and those didn't work for me. But I got one of those blow-up seats where I can change the pressure. And Oh, uh, yeah, those air hawk things? Yeah, the air, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, air hawks. And Jer and I actually have matching air hawks, so we've caught ourselves a few times on the side of the road blowing into them. Just looking like <laughs> morons, you know, blowing into these little freaking funny balls. Oh, it's great. It's great. But that I did works. Try, I did try a sheepskin. I picked up a sheepskin in Sturgis a couple of years back. Yeah. And of course, you know, I don't like to do anything halfway, so I thought it's a huge thing, right? Right. So, so it covers the seat, and then it's long enough to where it'll roll up over my little pillow that I use for a backrest. Yeah. And then, and then up over the top of my luggage. Nice. So it looks like it looks like a recliner when you're done. Right, right. I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous looking, right? I mean, you look oh, like yeah. a total idiot rolling out the road with this like black shag fur sheepskin thing. But man, it's comfortable. Of course, you know, Kayla looks at me when you know I roll in from circus. <laughs> I bought. <pull. laughs> so, she wasn't with me on this particular trip. Right. So, <laughs> so I roll into the I roll into the driveway. And man, I'm just so proud of this thing. I'm like, look at my sheepskin, babe. This is awesome. <laughs> this is like a couch. And she's just looking at me like, oh my God. Uh, Who what, are you? What did I marry? <laughs> like, you are an idiot. That yeah. looks ridiculous. <laughs> well, and she she knows. I mean, she does all that artwork. She knows what looks good. Yeah, yeah. She knew right away that it looked dumber than all hell. But man, it was comfortable. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, it was hard to argue. It did look a little ridiculous. Right, right. It sure was cozy. <laughs> no, I yeah, I, I I agree. Whatever, whatever works. I know, you know, everyone's different. Uh, the last Sturgis there, I rode my pop scoot up uh, mm. when I ran India, uh, which you know, it's a great that Honda VT thirteen hundred. Uh, yeah, you know, and I had him hanging out in the saddlebag. Had his ashes hanging out in the saddlebag. But that seat, he loved that seat, and he'd sit on that thing all day long. And boy, I can only sit on that thing for a few hours before it hurts. So I had my saddle rag employed again. You know, go figure. I mean, it's all. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's different. But uh, yeah, absolutely. One of the days I'll trim that sheepskin down to a more reasonable size <laughs> and run with it. I know you and I are real similar in the fact that we just kind of throw on mm. a set of clothes and last in them for a handful of days. We don't carry yeah. too much extra luggage. Although people will tell you I carry more extra luggage than the next guy, but a lot of that probably yeah, has kinda, to do with I your kinda, suit. I kind of go in ways a little bit. You know, like, yeah. I'll definitely find myself on some trips just packing super, super, super light, and then 
And then the next trip, I'll pack, and all of a sudden, I'm like, man, why do I have so much stuff? Why is this bag so heavy? <laughs> right, right. Like, what am I carrying that I don't normally carry? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can never seem to figure it out. But, I mean, anymore, i got a pretty good system down where I can I can go from not, not even having a, a trip planned to be packed and ready in about 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, every, everything sits on the same shelf. Everything's just in the, the exact spot. Just grab the same stuff every time. Here we go. Yeah, me too. Although I was looking at my layout the other, I kind of <clears> got a, I don't know, it's just my house, I reckon, but I got to pick and choose from about 30 different places to get all the little stuff that I need. But I definitely keep the bike packed all the time with all the tools that I need. That, you know, that's one of my bigger secrets. I mean, even right now, ripping the engine out of that one motorcycle, I have not used a tool that is not on that bike all the time. Yeah, that's important. That's right. important. But yeah, the tools should definitely be always on the bike. And I always make a habit too of you know if I'm working on my bike in my gar- in my garage, yep. I'll use my tool roll instead of using my toolbox. So I'll use the tools that are in my tool roll yep. just to make sure that I have in there what I need. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big trick, and that's a big one for anybody mm. who's hitting the open road. It's okay to. Uh, it's okay to use the tools that you have on the scoot 24-7, no matter what. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. But every time I mention that to someone, whether they're new riders or seasoned riders, they they shake their heads and they go, why the hell didn't I think of that earlier? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, because, man, it's like, well, if you couldn't fix it on your tool, tool roll in your driveway, what makes you think you're going to be able to do it on the side of the road? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The benefit on the side of your driveway is that, you know, maybe you'll have a bigger hammer. Maybe you have a resource to more tape or more uh, bailing wire, safety wire. In my case, sure. more, more hockey stick tape. I love my hockey stick tape. Yeah, that's almost great as a grip, by the way, as well. Oh, yeah. I use it all. Anything I touch gets hockey stick tape. Uh, anything <laughs> that, you know, it, it's just as long as there's not fuel involved, as long as it's not a fuel line, it's getting hockey stick tape. Yeah. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine come over one time. He, he actually he actually plays hockey. Mm. So that was intense for him to have it. But I, he came over one day, and he, set, he sits on my bike, and he goes to turn the bars, and the left side grip just goes flying off the bar. It slides right off. <laughs> he's like, dude, he's like, what is up with that? I was like, oh, yeah, that, that grip's been loose for like a year. Right. But, you know, I, I just get so used to it. I just get so used to it, just kind of holding it on. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really think much of it. You know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It just falls off every once in a while. So the next thing I know, he goes goes out to his truck, grabs her old hockey tape, and pulls that grip off, and then tapes up that into the bar and says, well, there you go. Nice. That's better. Yep. And at first, I was like, oh, man, really? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, after a couple hundred miles riding with it, I was like, man, that actually gets all right. Yep. Yep. Good on you. If I go and figure out how to keep my throttle body, body from flying off every once in a while, that gets a little scary. You know, every once in a while, you hit a giant pothole in the middle of the interstate that you don't see coming. Right. Bike gets all wonky. Next thing you know, you've got your throttle in your hand, but it's not attached <laughs> to the bar anymore. <laughs> <It's not> att- <laughs> and you're just like, oh, hell, this is this is not good. You know, it's your <laughs> right. train, you'll swerve into the car next to you. You're right. Good thing your clutch is down at your foot. Not on the bars. <laughs> yeah. Just, just reach up and just slap that throttle body back on. Mm-hmm. Don't put the, yeah, don't even bother turning the screw tighter. Just jam uh, it back on call it good. God, I'm terrible about that stuff. Well, it adds up. Eventually, you got it. So what I've been doing lately, because I've got mm. so many scoots, if I get home and I know there's an issue, I've got, <laughs> this sounds stupid, but I've got 
uh, post-it notes. So I'll write myself a note and stick it to the bike. And then every Saturday morning I go out and walk around and, oh, okay, you know, tighten throttle, uh, you know, check tire pressure, whatever it may be. Oh, God, man, I don't, I'd have to go buy more post-it notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I go through I a shit ton of them. I don't have enough of those to do that. Some, yeah, I'll leave them out in the rain or whatever. But yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to hit up a staples. You need a five. We need a five hundred pack of post it notes, and those bicycles be covered in paper. Right. Every Saturday morning. Yeah, my wife's gonna be asking what the deal is with the pile of paper drops. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a motorcycle underneath that. Right. That'd be great. <laughs> Just a reminder to change the oil. Don't uh, worry about it. How exciting. So you're still going to be riding for Cycle Source in the future, we hope. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't see that coming to a close anytime soon. I, uh, yeah, unless they fire me, who knows? They might, might get sick of me. That's it's hard funny. to say. Ah, uh, that could always <laughs> happen. Well, but as long I, as they want them, I'll keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten to check out some of your words lately. I do appreciate them, oh, and I do believe they awesome. inspire. So good. It's, good. Uh, well, that's that's the hopes anyway. Well, and that's it. And there's a, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's great and the whole idea behind my website is you know so other people can share their stories as i've shared mine through uh, well publishing yeah between two of us we might have a good team I'll, I'll i'll work on inspire them to go out and do something cool and then when they do it they can go to you and talk about it amen brother that's what we're talking about we've been having a lot of fun and uh, actually i'll take a minute and uh, plug our new raffle giveaway that our friend curtis morgan over at ride 1k in a day is doing mm. He uh, officially announced it today that uh, with the raffle that he does for anyone who competes the Ride 1K in a day, he's going to be including a complimentary book of American Roadrunner in the package of the raffle winnings. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited yeah. about it. Yeah, those guys are doing a cool thing. We get more, you get more choppers do 1,000 all days. That'll be good stuff. Well, you're absolutely right. And I know there are other organizations who have done uh, riding competitions similar. And some of them are bigger and a bit more hardcore. But I know I really enjoy what Curtis is doing. And I think mostly that's because my dad enjoyed it. It was like the last thing my dad looked at just a few months before he passed and said, you know, I could totally do that. Yeah, let's set up and let's do that, you know. Yeah, well, you, you know, that, you, well, you know, like the, uh, the whole thing of doing 1,024 it's definitely a milestone, and it's yep. kind of—it's sort of a rite of passage, I think, a little bit. Amen. But it's always—it's always kind of been. Here we go, the gold wings again. But right. it's always been sort of a gold wing and a BMW guy mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. It's never been a Harley guy thing. That's right. And it's definitely never been a chopper thing. Well, I think even in the hookah hay, they're usually doing less than a thousand miles a day, and those guys are badass. Don't get me wrong, because they're hauling butt for a week or two at a time, but. Yeah. No, you're right. To just do a thousand miles in a day is pretty tangible for most, and it's going to be really exciting to see the uh, the new crop of competitors this year and conquerors of the Ride One K and J Challenge. So. Yeah. Well, and I like what he's doing too. His his thing seems to be more. I don't know if I say chopper focused, but definitely seems to be a little more grassroots Harley Davidson focused. Oh yeah, he doesn't care what you ride. Hell, I might do it on my two fifty just to show everyone it can be done. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hashtag little back pervert, you know. I'm gonna do it on a Segway. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're gonna be, uh, well, if you do it on a Segway, I'm gonna do it on a pull start. Damn it! Why don't they have Segway charging stations? <laughs> every every few hundred miles. <laughs> Listen, we're innovative, and it's all a science project. We will load you up. Well, if you're gonna do it on a pull start, then I'm gonna do it on a skateboard. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Those little motors they put one, on skateboards. I'm, I'm gonna have one one massive leg with a blown out knee. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do that, I'm gonna bring back the hoverboard, and really hope that's fine. Yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> I'll have to stick to a certain area with magnetic poles. So I may just end up going in a circle, but regardless, it's gonna. Yeah. Be, it's gonna, it's gonna get better and better every time. No, yeah, this, I mean the thousand twenty four man, that, that stuff's awesome. Mm. I, I love doing thousand mile days. Love. Oh them. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean they, they they hurt like hell depending on how you do it, but man, they could sure be a lot of fun too. Well, I think that's a benefit of where we live uh, here in the Southwest. I mean, even though you're you know in the more beautiful center Colorado top, but. Where I am, I mean, the highways are just open as can be, and you you always get to work around the Rockies, but uh, where yep. I am, highways are just open, and you're gonna get traffic in California, but that's why we get the split lanes. So, yeah, I'll tell you what, though, I've never, uh, I've done nine days over a thousand, yeah, and only one of those was in Colorado. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I did. I, man, it, yeah, this was brutal, actually. I, I, I met, uh, this is one of the first three or four that I did. Mm-hmm. I thought, I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to go do a group thousand mile day. Oh, no. <clears throat> so, so it was one of those, like, like up down like the Lakewood B&W shop or something. Yeah. And I show up there at four in the morning. Well, first thing I had to do is, was get from my house to the start right. by 4 a.m. Right. So that was already 50, you know, I was already 50 miles in before I even got there. And then, you know, 4 a.m. start. And I had no idea what the route was until I got there. So we look at the map, and I'm like, holy, holy cow, man. Like, this thing never leaves the state. <laughs> That's a big state you live and in. in. Fact, and in fact, it never even got, it never got east of Denver. Right. So it, 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 it ended up being, by the time I left my house, got there, did the ride, and got back, it ended up being 1,250 miles. Uh-huh. Or across the continental divide nine times, <laughs> That's great. and did virtually like every pass you can do in Colorado. Right, and it was all like two lane twisties. I mean, it took me like I mean, it was like twenty hours by the time I got there, did and got home. Right, dude, that was unbelievably <laughs> painful. <laughs> I mean, man, I don't think I, I don't I don't think I walked right for a week. That's great. I mean, it was. It was horrible. That was on your BMW, huh? <laughs> no, that was on a chopper. Oh, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, there was the BMW shop that put it on, but I showed up on my chopper anyway. That's great, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. <That's great. laughs> uh, and, that, you know, of course, everybody's looking at me like, "Who is? What is this guy doing?" Yeah. Like, yep. there's no way he's gonna finish. Yeah, I'm gonna be like top five. I love it. That's always the best part. Well, I know one time. Just for giggles, I had a few other Stampeders here staying at my house. And so we take my dining room table and we throw a bunch of maps down. And we go, well, what would be a cool race? And we came up with the Four Corners of California. It's just oh, over yeah. it's just over 3,000 effing miles, man. It is so oh, long. And it's all the way up and all the way down and just all, you know, it can be done mm-hmm. in state or cross country. I'm just going to throw it out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we, we haven't done that one yet. So the most grueling race I ever got to do was around Lake Erie called the Lake Erie Loop. It was only like 750 miles, but it was a little bike race. So I did it on my Rebel. And I had spent two days going from California here, trailer in my Rebel behind my Goldwing. And I got to the middle of Ohio. And that's where the race started. And then so then I'm on my, my Rebel and I 
I go to cross into Canada and Detroit there, and I ended up uh, losing the bracket on my spare tank because, of course, I remounted my spare fuel cell on the back of my Rebel. <laughs> right. Right. So then I had to pull over and fix that, like, in Detroit. It was a little scary for me. Uh, but I, I luckily I had some hardware and got it going. And I go into Canada, and the wind's at my back, and I thought, boy, this is really nice. I mean, on this Honda Rebel, I'm moving a good 65, 67. And then I come back into the U.S., it takes forever to get back into the U.S. They ended putting, they ended up, uh, you know, questioning me and kind of being a little rude. But once I got back into the U.S., I was in a headwind all the way through Pennsylvania, trying to get back. Uh. And it, you know, it was only 750 miles, but it was like 11 and a half hours. And I know that's a race that my uh, buddy F bomb has won a few times. And I got uh, back. Yeah, I've never and, even heard of that one. Oh yeah, yeah, the Lake Erie Loop, man. It's all on little bikes, 250 or smaller. And by the time oh. I got back, F-Bomb had already showered, uh, taken, a, <laughs> taken a break, taken a nap. You know, I mean, I just felt totally inferior. Interesting. I'll have to look into that one. Oh, it's a good one, man. Yeah, just uh, on little bikes. So it's amazing what you can race and run and have fun with. So Yeah. Speaking of the Great Lakes in Michigan, have, have you ever crossed the Mackinac Bridge on uh, your motorcycle? No, is that the one south? It of- connects... Uh, you know, the lower part of Michigan to the UP? No, no, I haven't. Oh man, if you want a truly terrifying experience, you should uh, you should cross that bridge in the left lane on a windy day. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I mean, I've been through a few of those. You know, mostly uh, uh, in the middle around the Dakotas, Great Lakes, whatnot. But yeah. Well, yeah, last summer, last summer, I, I went up to I don't know, the May or June, maybe. Yeah. I went out to the East Coast, the Carolinas, to meet up with a couple guys, putts around for a few days. And, yeah. And then I realized I had an extra extra couple of days somehow. I don't know if I just looked at the calendar wrong or what, but I was like, well, hell, I got an extra two days to get back to Colorado. Well, nice. man, I should go up to Michigan. So I went up to Michigan, and I was sitting at some campground and talking to somebody who knows about where I was going. And, right. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go up to the UP. And they're like, oh, man, you got to you got to cross the Mackinac Bridge. That's a really scary one. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, it's a bridge, man. How scary can a bridge be? Mm-hmm. Come on. So I do a little research on it, right? So now I'm like, oh, man, you know, maybe I should look into this. What am I get myself into? Yeah. So I look into it, and I pull up photos of it. And I'm like, okay, well, I do see where it could be maybe a little sketchy because the left lane <clears throat> is just like that steel grate. Right, where you can see you can see through see, it. Oh, that scares me every time. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and you know the steel grates on a motorcycle. You know, you know how bad they pull you around. Oh yeah. You know they kind of pull you all over the, all over the place. You oh, know, yeah. especially on a ten foot bike with a knobby front tire. Right. It's like <laughs> you're getting your knobby stuck I mean, in the steel grates. It's yeah. It's like it's like trying to ride a motorcycle motorcycle on a stick of butter. I love it. So I'm looking at it like, well, whatever, man. I'll just. I'll just sit in the right lane and cross over on the paved side because the right, the right, you know, the right side is paved. Right. So I've, I'm approaching the bridge in the right lane. I pass the last exit before you are committed to going over it. And right as I'm, right as I'm passing this exit, I look up the road and I, and I see all these like traffic cones and arrows. Well, the right lane was closed. <laughs> of course, it was. I'm like, oh my god, you got me kidding me right now and it's like 45 degrees the wind is howling I'm like, oh dude seriously <laughs> I'm like, well i'm pretty gonna be what am i gonna do that yeah be weird he has to talk about the u-turn that's right. not gonna happen no 
soul, you know, I go in the left lane, I start coming up over the bridge, you know, and not too far up at the pavement end. If you're on that fuel grate, and man, my I was white knuckle, freezing cold, but somehow selecting bullets at the same right. time, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I've been there. <laughs> and I was, you know, I'm just like weaving back and forth, man. I can't keep this bike straight to save my life. I mean, uh, it doesn't look like I was just hammered drunk. Sure, sure. And then, you know, and I can't figure out if I want to go faster or slower or what I want to do. Right. So I just, I tried speeding up. I was like, well, that didn't work. Let me try slowing down because that's got to be more scary. So I started slowing down again. <laughs> the next thing you know, I do like 20 miles an hour over this bridge. I got a line of cars behind me. I'm looking down beneath my feet to the water about 300 feet below me. <laughs> right. The wind is, <laughs> wind is blowing me all over the place. Right. Blowing your skirts up Man. at that point. Yeah, I mean, the only saving grace was that there was a rest area on the other side, so I was able to go in the bathroom and clean up my shorts. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I can yeah. only imagine. That's the only redeeming quality of that bridge is that there's a rest area on the other side. Were you wearing your suit at the time? I was. So what you mean, it, it took a minute to get out of that suit. Oh, yeah. In order to clean myself. Oh, that's tragic. great. Tragic. Yeah. Totally tragic. That seems to be a reoccurring theme here on the show is uh, how much uh, you end up crapping your pants when you're riding a motorcycle. I don't know. What <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why we like them. They're terrifying. Yeah, right. No, I, I, that, that's a pretty good one. And that's one thing I think, too, on choppers. The wind does knock you around mm-hmm. a little here uh, on the 10 going through Palm Springs and what we call the Whitewater in the center of Riverside County, man. The wind just gets whipping where all the uh, big wind gens are. So. I've I've gotten used to getting whipped around, and once or twice I've been thrown from lane to lane. But that's just you know from the top. I couldn't imagine it coming in from the bottom as well. So yeah, it just kind of swirls, and you can't yeah you can hardly pinpoint what direction it's even coming from, which means you can't react to it. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> you know, and man, like I you know, man, there's not a lot, there's not a whole lot that scares me on the motorcycle anymore. I feel like yep. I've pretty much been through it all. Yeah, for most of it. Yep. But yeah, I mean. Man, that shook me up. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, well, that was not that was not fun. Well, I agree, and sometimes we get shaken mm-hmm. up. I know it happens to me too, but uh, boy, it reminds me that I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, you know, that makes for a great rocking chair story, right? Exactly. That one time. Oh heck. That's oh yeah, God, Grandpa's telling me the stupid story about crossing <laughs> that dumb bridge again. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. You've well, done that enough, kids. I'll be, I'll be telling you stories about dog. Right. <laughs> Keep um, my dog for. Oh, I love it. Charlie, I got to thank you greatly for being a member on our show here today. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me. Oh, yeah. Now it's good stuff. We'll definitely have to catch up again in the future, and we'll definitely be watching your article in Cycle Source to keep up with you. And uh, so your Instagram, Charlie Travel and Chopper. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And Kayla's at. Uh, Roads are for journeys. That's good, man. That's good and stuff. And also, uh, I, I will put this out there. She also has Kayla Inferno Art for. Uh, the Kayla Inferno art Instagram page is where she shows her art because, as you know, she's quite the artist. She is. I'm a big fan. Yeah, really very, fan. very, very talented. Uh, doing a lot of helmets these days. She does some painting on motorcycles, and of course, her uh, you know mainstay is sort of the uh, oil on canvas portraits and paintings of all kinds of neat things. Well, she even published a book recently, didn't she? A couple of them. Yeah, yeah. She's got a book of poetry out there. She's got a book of 100 Colorado landscapes that she did. She she did a uh, 100 watercolors. Wow. Of all scenes, all from Colorado. Wow. 
And you can yeah. find those books are on Amazon? They are on Amazon. You can also get them through her website, which is infernoartstudio.com. Nice. And a link to that is on her Kayla Inferno Art Instagram awesome. as well. Awesome. Awesome. Charlie, I appreciate yeah. you sharing, brother. Yeah, thank you. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, real good. We'll catch up with you later. Okay, sounds good. See ya. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Man, that was awesome listening to Charlie. Oh, I agree. He's just such a pleasure and joy to get to chat with. I, I suspect we chat a lot like a bunch of chatting Cathy's. You know, I, I close my eyes and I imagine myself next to a campfire, a couple of uh, motorcycles right. sitting there in some tents, and you guys just going on about the old days. It was fun. It was good to listen to, man. Oh, yeah. And the days keep going. That's the best part. I don't know if our old days are... I've gotten behind us too much yet because we're we're still having a good time in life. <laughs> well, I guess that's the best thing about riding a motorcycle is uh, you can probably ride it right into your grave, right? You oh know, yeah. Just keep on riding until it you're just, yeah. 120 years old. It's okay. As Sci- long as your legs science work. will make it so that you can ride to be a thousand, maybe ride to Mars or something. Well, as long as you got a sidecar. What would that know? be like? First person to ride cold. a motorcycle on Mars? That'd be cold. It sounds cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. It's a little cold. Yeah, we're like three sets of long johns. But I hear there's yeah. a there's a mountain that's like taller than Mount Everest yeah, on Mars. That's right. Whoa. Well, I reckon you need a much more sophisticated suit than the suits we wear these days. You know, just our light little covering suits or our rain suits wouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> Watch you riding your motorcycle around and you come across somebody and you're like, who the heck is this? You're like, oh man, Matt Damon is out here. You're always getting uh-huh. lost out here, dude. Exactly. We're always finding you. That would be our luck. That guy's cool. <laughs> He's that cool. I don't know how we got on riding motorcycles on Mars, but the future. It's the future. <laughs> you know what? There's a cartoon back in the day that was like, um, motorcycle mice from Mars or something. Nice. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I had Google the toys that. and I listened to it all the time, and, or I, I watched totally it. I loved it. It was it was really cool. It was a like just after Ninja Turtles came out, so any kind okay. of mutant animal toys and cartoons were coming out. Yeah, it was nice. like mutant motorcycle mice from Mars, something nice. like that. Nice. Yeah, and check it out on YouTube or Hulu or whatever. <laughs> Kids, you don't know what good cartoons are anymore. Is watching that stupid right. SpongeBob shit. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up. Go through all our usual stuff. Again, if you didn't hear it at the beginning, you can find us online at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com. You can also find us on Facebook at, you know it, American Roadrunner The Book. On Instagram at American Roadrunner. That's all one word. Again, American Roadrunner. If you got anything to say to us, you got any questions, you want us to give you a shout out on the air, send us some money at American Roadrunner The Book. At gmail.com. You don't have to send money. We'll still say what's up. Uh, you know share what? Share some stories with us. <laughs> share some stories. This podcast, as always, can be found on Podbean. Uh, also at American Roadrunner Podcast.com. And of course, pick up Bob's book, uh, American Roadrunner by Bob Marshall. It's pretty awesome. Paperback, ebook, and coming soon on audiobook, right? Hey, Amen. That's what we're looking forward to. I'm excited to make that announcement when it comes out in a yeah. few days. And lastly, of course, our sponsors, Ride One Cane a day bob talked a little bit about that and some cool promotions going on our friend jake at the flying dutchman co and don't forget about artist bowmonster.com the gentleman who did the book cover bowmonster.com anything Mm, else you want to add there before we say so long (laughs) well i'll tell you i can imagine this is probably going to be our longest podcast ever 
But, you know, the answer is when, yeah, you get people like me and Charlie talking, we'll keep talking if we're not careful, especially, you know, when our significant others aren't around. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to call him a good friend. And I, I am very serious when I say the man does intimidate me a little, but I've been reminded by others that uh, we, uh, we both do really good things. So he's one heck of a writer. An even better writer, in my opinion. So uh, it's good to uh, good to call him my friend and share some good ideas and some exciting races in the future. Yeah. Again, if you want to find Chopper Charlie, his articles are in the magazine Cycle Source. Again, Chopper Charlie at Cycle Source Magazine. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Good reading. All right. We bid you adieu. Hey man, be good humans. Later. Life, life is short. Race it. Peace.